We're continuing on uh, the week prior to New Year's. I started sharing about some principles in preparation of 2014. Since I didn't finish it, I completed that last week. And I don't know if some of you remember, but in my closing prayer, uh, I actually thought I was about to close, and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit had me suddenly start praying about the seed in each one of our lives and how God wants it to be planted wisely and that it would grow in 2014. And by the end of this year, we would have one of the greatest harvests we've ever seen in terms of what we planted and the anticipation of what God would give us as well as what the harvest would be. And when I went home that evening, I just happened to go on Facebook and uh, this apostle whose church I preached at down in Delaware actually shared how he had just preached a sermon on seeds. <laughs> so I was like, uh-oh, the Holy Spirit didn't direct me by coincidence, which I didn't think anyway, but he uh, was basically putting the same thing on our spirits. So anyway, today we're talking about sowing godly seeds, amen? Sowing godly seeds, and we're coming from the book of Luke, chapter 8, verses 5 through 8, and the majority of this is uh, Jesus himself speaking, amen? Luke 8, 5 through 8, a sower went to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell by the wayside, and it was trodden down, and the fowls of the air devoured it, and some fell upon a rock, and as soon as it was sprung up, it withered away because it lacked moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns sprang up with it and choked it. And other fell on good ground and sprang up and bare fruit an hundredfold. And when he had said these things, he cried, He that hath ears to hear, let him hear. Before we go further and pray, just going to give you a definition of the word so. This word so means to disperse or plant seed by scattering it on or in the earth. It also means to propagate or disseminate. And then another phrase is to implant or introduce. And you may say, well, what's the difference between sowing and planting? And one of the things I've done over the years uh, as spring emerges is I'll take my, um, oh, Lord, what's it called? A little sprayer thing. Is it a sprayer, Walter? The, the thing you sp spread, the spreader, yeah, spreader. God help me. The spreader. So I'll take, I'll get myself a bag of grass seed and I'll pour the stuff into my spreader and I'll walk across the lawn and it'll start just scattering the seeds everywhere. And I don't have to sit there and worry about them getting rooted because, you know, within a couple of days of people walking over it or just by nature doing its work with the rain coming down, the seeds will open up, and that's so you know you have nice, plush grass. So in some cases, you can just scatter seeds, but in other cases, you have to dig and bury it down. So anyway, that's certain things that we have to do in our own lives, amen? Some things we just disperse, but then some things you've got to embed down deep. So anyway, the word sow, once again, means to disperse or plant seed by scattering it on or in the earth to propagate, to disseminate, to implant, or introduce. And one of the things that really came to mind when I saw the word propagate is if, if you ever see a website you, and you, you're about to launch a new website, one of the things that you get is a domain name. But until that domain name propagates, even though your website could be actually up running on a server, the rest of the world can't see it as www. 
whatever the site name is, .com, until that domain name propagates and that phrase or that word you use finally gets exposed, gets exposed to the rest of the world so it points to your, your website sitting on a server. So it's the same way with us. Sometimes we're scattering stuff, but it's not necessarily exposed until the proper time of season that God causes it to manifest. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be dispersing and planting and seeding things that are out there in your life, amen, so that things can grow and produce a harvest that God has for you. With no further ado, let's open up a word of prayer, and we'll continue on, amen. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we give you the praise, the glory, and the honor for everything that you're doing in our lives. And Lord, even as you have placed that word upon my spirit as well as Apostle um, Lemuel, we just thank and praise you, Lord, that your people will be receptive to the principles of the seed, that they would not only scatter and disperse and embed seeds in their life for the coming year, but it would also be something that could produce a harvest, not just for the year 2014, but in the years to come. We thank you, Father, that not only will we plant seed, but it will be abundant and godly seed, that it will be fruitful to our lives as well as the lives of people around us, and that it will produce more than we can ever expect because of how you would cause it to be nourished and to grow. And we just give you the glory, the honor, and the praise for these things. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, so we talked about sowing seed, dispersing, planting, scattering, propagating, disseminating, implanting, and introducing things. There's a lot of ideas, a lot of desires and dreams that we have for our lives. There's career goals. There's relational goals. There's all all these different things that we have in mind that we want for our life. And as we looked at the year 2013, a lot of us looked back and said, man, I wish I could have completed this. Or I wish that that was done. Or I wish that I wasn't hindered by all these different things. And God wants us to have the mindset as we're in the beginning of this year, and we have 11 and a half more months to go in this year, he wants us to have a fruitful year, not only for just now, but also for five years, 10 years, 20 years in the future. But we have to realize that as human beings, we are seed sowers on a continual basis. Did you realize that? I think a lot of times we believe that when I have an idea and I set it in motion, that's when I'm planting a seed for my future. But the reality is, as human beings that have a creative power that God has placed in each one of us, we are always planting some kind of seed out there. In our actions, in our behaviors, in our speech, we are always seeding the planet Earth with something. And you may not necessarily realize, but you have more reproductive capabilities in you than when you have natural offspring. Amen? You're always birthing and planting something new. The only problem is that a lot of times we don't think about it and we don't take into consideration that your actions are spawning something, your behaviors are doing something in your own life or in the life of other people. And as you speak things or pray things, you are literally seeding not only your life, but the lives of people around you based upon the things that you are doing. So you are all little Johnny Appleseeds. <laughs> you know the story of John, Johnny Appleseed? He used to you know, just go around and drop seed and he keep it moving. Well, in the same way, whether you realize it or not, Everywhere you're going, you're dropping some kind of seed. Hopefully a good seed, but you are dropping and planting something in all the places that you frequent, 
all the places that you travel through, everywhere you go, you are planting and seeding, especially the spiritual realm with the things that you are doing. And that being the case, we have to have an understanding of how seeds operate and what God does through the seed. And that's the first thing that I actually want to look at at first, I mean today. The law of the seed. What is the law of the seed? We see that in Genesis chapter 1, verses 11 and 12. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, an herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. So as we see here, regardless of the type of seed, seeds produce after their own kind. Amen? That's the first thing you need to understand. Seeds produce after their own kind. So if you plant apple seeds, you don't expect, unless you've got a problem, you don't expect a pear tree when you plant apple seeds. At least I don't. <laughs> In your world, maybe you plant down apple seeds and you expect a pear tree or grapes. But in my world, I put down apple seeds, I expect apples. And I expect the apple tree that I get from the initial planting to have more apples and more apples. And, and I can go from one apple tree to maybe 10 trees and then later on 50 trees. I expect that every time I plant a seed, it's going to produce after its own likeness. Now, as individuals, we have to realize that as we're planting down seeds, they're producing after their own kind as well. You know, Colin Trey has some of the attributes of Pam and I because we produce seed after our own kind. And we didn't just have a reproductive process, but we instilled, imparted, and implanted into them certain principles as it relates to God, as it relates to how you handle finances, different things. So we have a full expectation that not only did we impart into their lives certain principles that we live by, but also, when they have children, we expect them to come up in that same lightness. We don't expect a bunch of heathens coming out of them. We don't expect any devil worshippers. We expect them to not only live and serve God all the days of their life, but they're going to produce children that will follow in the likeness of God, who will then give them grandchildren, and so on, and so on, and so on. So even though we initially seeded them to have the principles of God in their life, as well as certain standards in which they live by, we also have an expectation that even after we're dead and gone, there will be future generations of foxes that still know the name of Jesus, amen, and that lived according to the same kind and produced after the same kind as we did, as did our forefathers, amen. So we expect to see seed after its own kind. And it also says here that not only do seeds produce after their own kind, but it says that all of the trees and the herbs yielding fruit, their seed was in itself after its kind. So when you're producing seeds, an apple tree doesn't have to go and say, oh, I want to produce an apple tree. Can you give me the attributes of an apple tree? No, it has buried inside of itself whether it realizes it or thinks about it or whatever, within it, it has a capacity to produce after its own kind. In other words, it's a built-in, innate, inherent 
attribute that that thing has inside of itself. And we as Christians, as we're going out and dreaming and envisioning things, we have career goals, we have expectations of things for a relationship, our professional careers, our emotional stability, our finances. We have to realize that you don't have to go chasing after the world system. You don't have to get hooked up with the right person. If you just walk according to the things that God has planted within you, you may need certain things to nourish that thing into fruition. But the reality is all the essential elements that you need to prosper and grow and fertilize things and cause more things to spawn in your life that are righteous and fruitful to you are already buried inside of you. Amen. Let's give a few examples. You want more love? Can you get it by dispensing hate everywhere? No, you're going to produce hate. <laughs> Why? Because the seed of hate that you planted into other people's lives is going to cause ha- hatred seeds to be planted, to grow, and to build up after their own kind. If you need more money, do you need to go out and chase and, and connive and, and, and steal a bunch of money from somebody else? No, you could take the little bit of money that you have right now, budget and use it wisely, and cause it to grow to produce more money in the future. If you need more love in your life, greater relationships, friendships, you be a friend to somebody, friendship will automatically come back to you as a harvest. So it really astounds me or maybe appalls me the fact that people say they want something, but then they go out and conduct and behavior themselves in such a way that it actually cripples their capability to get the very thing that they say they desire. Amen. So if we want things and we want to be fruitful, we need to plant in our actions, in our behavior, in our speech, the same sort of things that we place, we put in the ground, we should have an expectation that we're getting those things back. Amen? Over the years, we, we actually dealt with somebody that always complained, well, I don't have no friends. I don't have no friends. It was just the same record over and over and over and over again. It's like you mistreat people. You murmur and complain all the time. The reason you don't have friends, you don't know how to exhibit and dispense friendship. If you want it, it'll come back to you easily. Just give out the very thing that you say that you desire and it will come back to you. Amen. It's the law of the sea. Just as much as the law of gravity, I jump in the air, I don't go floating out in outer space. The same way, if I plant things spiritually, emotionally, physically into the lives of other people and into my own life, those same things will be sown back into my life. And here's the thing. The law of the seed dictates that what you put out, you just don't get back equal measure. Through the law of multiplication, whatever you plant, not only comes back after its own kind, but it grows, produces more of its own kind. The next thing you know, you have a greater harvest than you ever expected. Unfortunately, a lot of people put out chaos, confusion, anger, bitterness, and frustration. And then they're sitting there wondering, like, why am I always in all this chaos? You're putting it out. <laughs> why are you shocked that it's coming back and you're reaping a harvest of it? If you want stability, put out stability. If you want love, put out love. If you want um, clarity, don't be vague and confusing in the lives of others. Whatever you dispense is what you're going to get back. So regardless of type, seeds produce after their own kind. 
And like I said, each one has the potential to produce many offspring of the same characteristics. And here's the thing. Not only do they produce something of the same characteristics, but they do it for multiple generations. Do you realize the things that you're saying and doing right now might be in motion 100 years from now if Jesus tarries? <laughs> I think if a lot of us thought about that, we'd be like, ooh, maybe I need to wait before I say this or that. Maybe I need to rethink this before I do this or that. You know, just to think that I could do something <laughs> here in January 2014, and should Jesus not come back before then, in the year 2514, the residue of my actions should still be lingering in the lives of my great, 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 great grandchildren. It makes you think, well, ooh. Maybe I need to be a little more cautious. Maybe I need to think this thing out a little bit more before I do it or I say it. And that's the thing. We don't realize a lot of times we focus so much on the actions of what we're doing, we don't realize that some of the things that we speak into the lives of others may have a greater repercussion than the things that we do to the people. Amen? I've talked to so many people over the years that have been discouraged or despondent or confused or I never amount to anything or, oh, life is just a continual struggle for me. And one of the main things I see time and time again is because somebody spoke or did something into their lives that affected their perceptions of self. Amen? It wasn't necessarily an action. It was a, a treatment. It was a perception that people gave. It was a body language that they saw from other people that made them start thinking about themselves a certain way. In other words, what people did seeded negativity in their own life, and then they're living out that very thing. And here's the thing. Once you're living out something that was implanted into you, you not only start to live it, but now you start to dispense it in the lives of other people. And that's a tragic thing. That's why we see so many broken and discouraged people all the time. Amen? But we need to realize the effect that our words and our actions have on upon other people. We also need to be aware of the things that people are imparting intentionally or unintentionally into our lives. And we need to use the word of God and the Holy Spirit to negate the negative stuff and then to reproduce great things and godly things in our life that are fruitful to us and not only fruitful to us but also fruitful in the lives of other people we need to break the old cycle and now rebuild and replant good and fruitful stuff that god would intend for our lives now let's look at a couple examples of this principle of things being planted proverbs 6 12 through 19 a naughty person a wicked man Walketh with a froward mouth. He winketh with his eyes. He speaketh with his feet. He teacheth with his fingers. Frowardness is in his heart. He deviseth mischief continually. He soweth discord. Therefore shall his calamity come suddenly. Suddenly shall he be broken without remedy. These things, six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, and heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift and running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among brethren. Notice the, the, the key thing here, though. It says a naughty person, a wicked man. He's going around with a mouth that's out of control. He's talking smack. 
He's looking at people and he has contempt for them. And sometimes he'll say something kind of wink, you know, to other people like, you know, I told him off or I just made fun of him. And we see he teaches with his fingers. I don't know how he's using his fingers. But <laughs> he might be doing little hand signs if you know what I mean. <laughs> and, you know, it talks about his heart. He's always thinking about mischief that he's going to do in the lives of other people because it's all about me, myself, and I, and I don't care how I treat people, and I'm too big and bad for anybody to get back at me. But we see here that regardless of his attitude, because he soweth discord into the lives of others, when he was least expecting it, calamity came his way, and it says here, basically, there's nothing he can do about it. So he might have been 20, 30 years old, causing mayhem everywhere he went in the lives of others. Running his mouth, physically causing trouble, uh, belittling people, bullying people, and nobody could stop him or do anything about it. But then the day came when all the stuff that he sowed into the lives of people, many of the things that he probably forgot he even did or said, now came back to haunt him and he had to eat the full brunt of the harvest that he put out there in the lives of other people. The world will tell you that's karma. It ain't karma, it's God. <laughs> it's godly retribution. <laughs> and the blessed thing about it is that it doesn't say that necessarily he lost his life. So maybe he had a chance to get on his knees before God and repent for all the stuff that he has sowed into the lives of other people. But we see here that if you had that mindset that I could plant without thinking, I could speak my mind and say anything I want, and there's no repercussions. Long after you've spoken and done something inappropriate in the lives of somebody else, if you don't repent, those things will come back to haunt you. And that's the thing that's crazy about it. You could plant a seed in 2014. You may not get the harvest of it to 2020. Like, where did that come from? We see here it says it came suddenly. Totally unexpected. He's probably walking around one day, big and bold like before, and let me see who I could bully today. And all of a sudden, bam. Calamity runs him over like a truck. And he's now the victim that he used to make everybody else. And I'm not saying that we're going around bullying and belittling people. I don't believe anybody in this room has that kind of mindset. But what I'm just really illustrating is the fact that even in the stuff that we do, I don't want us walking around like, oh, my God, did I say this wrong? What I'm saying is just have the mindset that I go around to try to sp spread and, and put out godly fruit and re realize that the words I'm speaking and the actions that I'm doing are not just today only actions and speech, but they are things that can um, permeate, linger, and grow and spread like seeds into the lives of other people. And if I want to be fruitful in 2014... I need to spend more time and energy planting out godly words and godly fruit so I can look back at the end of this year and say, wow, this is one of the greatest years of my life. Amen? Because instead of me dreaming and envisioning and speaking and doing foolish things, I focused myself to make sure that I was truly planting out godly seeds that he could grow and cause to nourish and flourish and multiply. And now I'm reaping back all the stuff that I put out there this year. Amen. Let me make 2014 a much greater year than 2013 because I was wise in how I planted stuff into not only the physical ground, but the spiritual ground, which is even more important. All right. Now, let's see another example. Acts. This is a good one, though. Acts 2. 38 through 47. Then Peter said unto them, repent 
and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gifts of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they, continually daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. So we see in this example, godly seeds were planted. Amen. He went, and it might have been a little hard at first, but he told people to repent and be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And it says here that based upon his testimony as well as his exhortation, he planted things in the lives of those people that led to almost 3,000 people get, getting saved. And not only did his initial actions lead to people getting saved, but we see that the fruit of it was that the people that got saved now started going around and spreading the knowledge of what had been imparted to them. And it resulted in people not only taking on the characteristics of Christ, but it started adding to the church on a daily basis many more souls. So what started out? as a one-day sermon by Peter led to multitudes getting saved by the day until the church started growing like wildflower, wildfire, rather. So here's the thing. We could say and use our mouths and our actions to plant seed in the lives of other people or our own lives that will produce chaos. Amen? Or like I said, we could focus ourselves, be more cautious, and I know it's something that we all got to work on, Lord knows I got, I got to have a smart mouth without the Holy Ghost to keep me in check. So that's an area where I had to like, oop. sometimes I got to put the, the hand, literally put the hand over the mouth because some of the stuff I can say, <laughs> amen. You know, especially coming out of a generation of playing the dozens, being a know-it-all. I mean, I got about a thousand ways that I can like smile and just tear somebody up and I can just laugh and keep it moving but i have to realize that there's spiritual connotations to that amen and it's one thing i'm not saying for us not to play around with our friends and clown and crack jokes and stuff like that yeah we, sh we shouldn't lose our personalities but the thing is when we use that same gifting to impart stuff into the lives of other people when we're actually bumping heads with them that's something that god wants us to avoid and like i said you may think it's one simple argument today but you don't know what the repercussions are. For instance, you get smart with this person, you agitate them, now they go off storming somewhere else and they vent at somebody else. Well, you just spread something into the lives of somebody else indirectly. But the thing is, according to what God's principles are in terms of the seed that we're planting into our own soil, into the lives of other people, even though you may not be aware that it's spread here and there, when you look out into a field, Look at dandelions or something like that. It'll start out in one spot, 
Then that thing will spread and grow. It'll blow and go across the street. And next thing you know, that thing's all over the place. And it could be 10 miles away. And you don't realize that it all started in your backyard. So that's the case in the natural. How about in the spiritual and what can happen from the inappropriate things that we do or say in the lives of others? So God wants us to be careful about how we're doing things and to be cognizant about what we're doing. And that's why I really have to understand that there are good versus bad seeds that we can plant into the lives of other people. And as I said earlier, whether you are cognizant of it or not, you are continually, I repeat that, you are continually sowing seeds in your life as well as the lives of other people at all times. It is based upon your actions, behavior, and speech. Uh, These seeds produce something that you may actually never see unless you return to the soil where you first planted them and examine what you did or said and how it affected the individuals. And then, here's the thing, even then you cannot fully comprehend how the initial seeds you planted grew, reproduced after their own kind, and spread as this process was continually repeated. How many families have we seen where... The children were verbally or physically abused, and then they went and did it to other people, and then they had children, and they did it to their children. Their children had children, and next you know you got a whole jacked up bunch of children running around, messed up. Amen? Look at some of the communities that we're aware of. I just had a, a friend that had to move out of Trenton. When they first moved there, it was a great neighborhood, and they said they got tired of hearing gunshots every night. Why? Multiple generations of babies having babies, and now the, the whole neighborhood is controlled by a bunch of teenage thugs shooting guns every night. So they literally had to move out of what had previously been a safe environment. Because evil will spread itself, unfortunately, a lot quicker than good stuff because most people are not aware of the concepts of God to restrain those things from manifesting and growing and spreading. And the church as a whole has pretty much have yielded to, to the world system. We don't fight and engage in warfare like we should. So as a result, if we give them a leg hold in terms of ungodly fruit being spread, that stuff multiplies like wildfire. Amen? So we have to be wise about our part of the situation, not make it worse by being, instead of being part of the resolution of the problem, us being part of the problem ourselves. We have to be careful about what we're planning out there. Amen. And we need to be more strategic. We need to be careful that if I am going to speak, if I am going to act, if, I'm, if I am going to interact with those people, let me plant something in that will cause the goodness and righteousness of God to be spread. Let it be something that opens up people's hearts or softens up their minds and hearts to receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I need to be part of the resolution of the problem to bring peace into their lives, not somebody that helps spread a, a more mess into their lives. Amen? Hallelujah. So, like I said, you may not be aware, you probably won't be aware, even if you return to somewhere that you planted ungodly seed, of how it repeatedly multiplied and grew. And a lot of times, the, the residual multiplication of what you did, the ripple effect of your actions and your words grows far beyond what you expect, and it may even extend beyond your lifetime. And that might sound extreme to you, 
but just look at some of the legacies of historical people. We're living the legacy of Abraham, the patriarch, Moses, Isaiah, Elijah, David. We're living the residue of what those guys did and said, and it served as a foundation of our faith. Let's look at more modern people. Martin Luther King Jr., we're all living the results of his actions in the I Have a Dream speech and other things that he said. We are now living the blessings of some of the things that he uttered, even though he met a horrible fate. We are still living the blessings of the godly things that he planted. Amen. That was one of the things that led to us having our first black president. The, 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 the residual multiplication of the seed that Martin Luther King Jr. planted in the spiritual and the political and the, the human hearts that surrounded him. That's what f- came out as a result of that. We want to look at the negative side, Adolf Hitler. He was a person that planted ungodly seed. He took the minds and hearts of an entire nation to try to exterminate an innocent people. And you still got people in this day and age that said the Holocaust didn't happen, and they still call themselves Nazis. So that man's gone, but yet there's still the ripple effect of the things that he said and the things that he did. So if those people could have a dramatic effect that has, has gone beyond their lifetimes, we may not necessarily have a, a global effect that's recorded in the history books, but we still have to believe that there is a residual effect of the things that we impart into the lives of others. None of them could have grasped that their lives would serve as the foundation for good or evil. Amen? That would go 100 years beyond their lifetime. Amen? But the reality is the, the, the fruitfulness or the unrighteousness of their actions was extended beyond each one of their natural lifetimes. And the same will be true for each one of us. Amen? So that's why we have to be wise. Amen? We're going to see that James chapter 3, 3 through 18. Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of weakness. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descended not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. So here we see who is wise and basically filled with knowledge among you. It says, let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. That word conversation there is not just your speech. It's your behavior, it's your actions, it's your body language. You can communicate a lot just by your body language. Amen? Somebody can walk in the room, and all of a sudden you shift your body a certain way. Your head goes down, your eyes change, your, your eyebrows go down a little bit, suck at the teeth. <laughs> you know, different things that people do. So you may not necessarily say something, but that doesn't mean that you're not communicating to other people. Amen? I've even seen people that that are avoided because the body language on them gives them what people call a chip on their shoulder. Oh, I don't, I don't even want to deal with them. Well, why? 
Did they get smart with you? No. It's just that, oh, just that edge they got. I don't even want to go interact with them. I just don't want to be around them because they got this edge about them. Amen? So we can communicate even without verbalizing something. And we see here that uh, if you have bitty, bitter envying, strife, um, it causes confusion in every good work. So we see that it not only affects your life, but it also uh, starts to impart itself or spread itself into the lives of other people. But we see here that if you want to sow something that will produce f- fruit and righteousness, it says you need to be full of mercy, good fruits, without par- partiality. In other words, you're not saying this, part, this person is part of my clique or my inner circle. I just treat everybody the same way. It doesn't mean that you're not going to like some people over others, but it shouldn't be to the point where I like somebody so much that I treat somebody else poorly. Amen? And just by somebody having the right mindset and a peaceful attitude and a giving attitude, they can plant a lot of seed into the lives of other people to bless them tremendously. I was just actually looking at something um, the other, uh, last night. What was her name? Oh, boy. Last name was Velasquez. Was it Felicia? This, this woman, she had, she's one of only two or three known people on the planet Earth that have, has this ailment. And they actually knew about it before she was born. She, she literally, no matter what she eats, cannot gain a pound. Her body just... They show pictures of her surrounded by stuff. And she did a, a TED... Um, presentation where she said that she even recalled the funny story of where um, one, one time her roommate came to her and said, look, you know, I got to talk to you about something. And she's like, what? She said, I keep hearing the bag, the bag crumpling at, you know, the weed hours of night as you're like ripping and grabbing something to get some food and put in your system. And she said, basically, um, she can eat anything she want, but she can't absorb and keep the nutrients in to produce any fat to 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 build up her body so she literally looks like a skeleton and she said here's the thing the seeds that were planted in her life because of her ailment which is no fault of her own she said she didn't even think anything was wrong with her until her first day of school she goes in and she's thinking like hey i'm a friendly kid i interact with everybody i like everybody she goes in and she said this girl looks at her and the first time she ever f- looked up, the girl looked at her with this look of, like, hatred or being appalled, like she was some kind of monster. She's like, whoa, what's up with her? And she said, so, well, okay, I'm not a cup of tea. I'll go play with somebody else. And she got the same treatment. And she said by the time she came home to her parents, she's like, what's wrong with me? And why is everybody treat me this way? And her parents told her, well, you just be yourself. And after a while, everybody will treat you good. And unfortunately, everybody didn't. Over the years, people say, you're the most ugly, hideous person I've ever seen. Just go kill yourself. Amen? Despicable things. She literally looks like a human skeleton. I think she's like, she's about 60 pounds. I think that the most she's ever weighed was 60 pounds, and the majority of it is bone. Like, literally, her bone, her skeletal structure has the bulk of her weight. But the thing is, despite all the despicable things that people spoke in her life, that could have caused her to kill herself. She's actually written a couple books, and she now goes around the world ministering and, and saying how to love the uniqueness in you despite what everybody says to you. So the, the enemy 
try to use seeds imparted in her to destroy people, but now she's going in planting seeds of love and uniqueness and love yourself for who you are no matter what anybody says, and she's turned it around for good. But my question about that, though, is like how many people have we directly or unintentionally spoken stuff into their lives because of jealousies or just being petty? Amen? I mean, how can you be that despicable human being that somebody has an ailment and you tell them you deserve not to be here because you look different or you have something that makes you sickly? I mean, how despicable can you be to allow those sort of things to happen? It's just, it's just despicable. And like I said, none of us may necessarily go to that extreme, but what are some of the things that we may have said over the years because we envy somebody or we didn't like anybody? And maybe we said something that wasn't true or helped spread something, you know, a rumor or something about somebody because we didn't like that individual. And what effect did that possibly have on that individual? You know, I was at Independence Blue Cross um, uh, one year, and I went to the printer one day. And when I came to the window, I just never forgot this. I came to the window, and there's this woman on the ledge, the window of the apartment complex across the street. And we made eye contact, and I was just kind of like, wait. And I started praying. I was like, Lord Jesus, you know, I started praying and everything. And I was literally trying to get to the elevator and go down 21 floors and run across to the street down below. Like, please stop. You know, I'll come up and talk to you. But unfortunately, the woman jumped. And, like, I was actually trying to head to the elevator banks, and I heard somebody yelling, oh, no. And I went back and... They're already covering her up. But I was like, what did life do to this person? And here's the thing. What people may have done or said something into that, life, that person's life that helped lead to that life being extinguished. I'm not saying that it's always due to the treatment of people. Sometimes people have chemical imbalances or other things where they just, or deceptions of the enemy coming into place. But we just got to be careful that we are wise with our mouths. As it says here, we have to allow our mouths, our actions to plant seed in the lives of other people that produces peace. We want peace. We need to be peace producers. And that's why, you know, the book of Ephesians talks about our feet being shed with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We need to be spreading the gospel everywhere we go. Amen. Planting seeds that will help build the, the kingdom of God. And even if it doesn't build the kingdom of God, amen, they should see that there's something different about us, something that is sowing seed into their lives that makes their days a little bit better, that makes their burdens a little bit lighter. We may not necessarily win everybody for Christ, but we can show them love and compassion. Amen. We could be somebody that doesn't make the burden on them become a little bit more heavier. Amen. Hallelujah. Romans 15, 1 and 2. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let any, every one of us please his neighbor for his good to edification. That word edification means you need to build people up. And the thing is, it's talking more about the emotional and the spiritual than it is the physical. It's very easy to say, hey, let's go to the gym. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> but it takes more effort. More compassion, more diligence to take your time to speak into somebody's life in such a way that it builds them up and takes them out of any disillusionment or hurt that they have experienced. And the thing that's great about that is that if you really take the time 
and take the effort and have the desire that you want to plant godly seeds into the lives of other people. Have you ever noticed that when you're giving of yourself, no matter what you're going through, you feel better? You could be having the worst time of your life, but then you find somebody that's just a little worse off. <laughs> Not that you're looking for somebody that's more miserable, but if you could just find somebody that's a little worse off and do something in their life, you come out of that situation saying, man, my problems weren't quite as bad as they thought it were. You may even find that even in the midst of doing it, you totally forget the stuff that you're dealing with. I mean, that's been really something over the years that's been the greatest part of helping other people financially, physically, spiritually. You know, just taking of your time and giving of yourself. That's been one of the greatest things I've found over the years in terms of interacting with people. That as I'm giving, I'm, giving, I'm getting back a lot more than I ever distributed. And that's what God's really trying to get us to realize. That we need to be giving out good things and planting good things in the lives of other people. If we truly want to have a productive year, amen, the more we do this in the beginning the more we're going to receive at the end. You don't get an abundant harvest in September if you didn't plant the crops until July. That's too late. Amen? So if we want to reap a harvest in the fall, December, we want to get that to the end of this year and say, this was an incredible year. You got to start planting now. We need to plant that stuff now. Amen? <laughs> and one of the things is the reason why it's so important is sometimes the ground's a little bit hard in the beginning. Sometimes you've got to work that soil. Sometimes the, the, the soil has rocks and weeds and stuff in that that you've got to get out of there before you really even start planting. Amen? So some of us might have to work the ground in our own lives or in the, or in the lives of others before we can even really start planting and nourishing the seed that we're imparting into their life. But the thing is, if we start now, when we make this a process that we're going to do on a daily basis, think of the, 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 the fruitfulness that God can extend and the harvest that he can produce in our lives by the ending of, of, the ending of this year if we start blessing people and be focused about how we're going to impart and plant good things in their lives at the beginning of this year. And the great thing is, as we're planting good things into other people's lives and it starts to grow, like I said, it will multiply and it will take us into 2015 and on and on. Amen. We could get, get the cogs rolling, get the pipeline open. Amen. You ever open up a faucet or a pipe and then you try to close it and it's a lot more difficult than when you open it? Why is that? It's because of the pressure that's coming out of that pipe. <laughs> and sometimes it's hard to, to start something. You know, I had some problems with my chainsaw last year. I went through multiple cycles of of difficulty and changing the blades and I eventually had to rebuild most of it like literally take the thing apart because it wouldn't start because this part hadn't been changed in years and the gas lines were all broken down they were like over uh probably 10 years old so I had to open the thing up and put in new gas lines and that was a whole that was a nightmare, quite frankly, because they had these little tiny holes with a, a rubber tube they had to go through that was wider, and you had to jury-rig that thing to pull it through. It was a mess, but by the time I got that thing done and I started pulling on it, I had to pull for a while. But once that thing finally started up, after I primed it, that thing ran well. So that's another thing, too. Sometimes you need to prime the pump of something. And it might be hard to get it started, but once you get it started, that thing will run and it will run smoothly. Amen? Hallelujah. Prime the pump on the blessings that you want God to cause to flow into your life. Now, as I said, 
Seeds are innately or inherently equipped to fulfill their purpose. All the seeds that we plant into the lives of others, amen, they basically have all the essential elements that they need to fulfill their purpose. So we don't have to be surprised if they grow rapidly and spread even further than we intended. You know, if your motives are impure, even things which seem to be righteous can be laced with impurities which will cause unfruitful works to grow. Amen? So we have to be careful that all the things that we're doing as we're interacting with other people are coming from a pure heart so that we only get back pure things. <laughs> now, as I was looking at the, the plant world, a tainted or mutated seed will typically result in a sickly or dead plant. But think about how that will occur in the spiritual and natural world of man if you're putting out something impure. You know, it lingers, but it may eventually cause relationships to be extinguished. So we just be careful that all of our relationships are coming from a pure motive. Uh, Proverbs seventeen fourteen says, The beginning of strife is as when one letteth out water. Therefore, leave off contention before it be meddled with. The beginning of strife is as when one letteth out water. You compare that to, let's say you have a, a, a sink where the pipes are a little bit rusted and you decide to turn it on. You turn that valve, you start to flow the water, then all of a sudden that pipe bursts. You got water everywhere. You can't turn it off until you find another valve along the line that you can shut it off at the source. But for that short period of time, you just got water exploding everywhere, out of control, just hitting everywhere around you. You can't grab rags quick enough, enough to soak it up. And you just got a pure mess. It's the same thing when you're causing contention in the lives of others. And that's why it says here, leave it off. Leave it alone. Don't play with it. Don't meddle with it. And that's another thing. Sometimes people are going through some kinds of strife, and there's times where God will call us to come in and be the negotiator and the peacemaker. But if God didn't cause you to be in the midst, sometimes we need to stay out of it because God said you meddle in stuff that you don't want to get involved with because you're going to start some warfare in your own life that you didn't need to be even be involved with. So we need to be careful that we're prayerful about the things that God has us to get engaged with because if it's not your fight, why are you in the war? And if God did not lead you there, why do you want to be in it? You know, if I'm, if I'm a Marine and I decide tomorrow, you know what? I'm sick of them North Vietnamese. They're talking smack. They're talking about they're going to fire nukes our way. I'm going to grab my gun. I'm going to catch myself a flight over to South Korea. And somehow I'm going to get to the North Korea border and slip across there. And I'm going to declare war in that whole country. Either you're going to be shot up and dead within minutes or thrown in jail, and then the government's going to say, we ain't had no involvement with that. We didn't order him to do that. He's on his own. <laughs> or you'll be trapped in a prison for a long time, and it'll take you a while to get out of that situation. So if you're, not going, if you're going into a situation that God has not called you to be in, you're basically like a soldier going onto the battlefield without any backing from your commanding officer or your military. Amen? In other words, you're not strapped and ready to engage in battle 
like you would have been because you went out on your own without being directed. Amen. And if anything, you're, you're basically a rogue soldier. Amen. Undisciplined, unable to follow orders. And it may have seemed to be something that you wanted to do and that was appropriate, but unless it was approved by your commanding officer, you were unsanctioned. So that's why it's telling us the beginning of strife is as when one letteth out water. Leave it alone. Don't meddle with it. It's like, not only is it like a, a, a pipe at a home, but it's like a crack in a dam. If you deal with that crack early, you can seal it off. But if not, bam, you got a, you got a river coming your way, a deluge that could destroy a whole town. So we have to be careful that we avoid strife and eliminate it. Like I said, this is the kind of seed, the un- kind of ungodly seed that will spread and grow. And you usually get back more damage and erosion to relationships than you ever asked for. Now we'll look at Proverbs 26 as well. Yeah, Proverbs 26. Oops. He that passeth by, I'm sorry, Proverbs 26, 17 to 22. He that passeth by and meddleth. With strife belongeth not to him, it's like one that taketh a dog by the ears. As a madman who casteth firebrands, arrows, and death. So is the man that deceiveth his neighbor and saith, Am not I in sport? Where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. As coals are to burning coals and wood to fire, so is a contentious man to content to kindle strife. The words of a talebearer are as wounds, and they go down into the innermost parts of the belly. <laughs> it says, He that passeth by and melleth with strife that belongs not to him. In other words, your busybody or your meddler. And God's not saying you need to be in the mix. God said it was none of your business, and you chose to get in it, and now here you go. He says, you're like somebody that takes a dog to your ears. He's not talking about you going over to your own pet, grabbing him by the ears. And, Didn't I tell you to stay out of that? Grab him by the ears. No, he's talking about you going over to talk to a dog that does not know you, and you're crazy enough to grab him by the ears, and now this dog is growling and about to bite you because why this fool come grab my ears? <laughs> That's what you're like when you get yourself involved in strife that you were not called to be involved with. Amen. He says, as a madman who casteth firebrands, arrows, and death. So now as he compare you to somebody that grabs a dog by the ears that is, is a violent dog that doesn't know you, but he says, like, you're going around in a town where all the buildings are wood, and you're just firing off arrows, and they're hitting people's roofs and catching their, their houses ablaze. In other words, you're spreading fire everywhere you go, and you're doing damage and chaos into the lives of others. And he says, where no wood is, the fire goes out. In other words, if you don't feed the fire, the fire won't, won't get worse. It will actually will die out at some point. But by you being involved when you weren't supposed to be, you actually put wood on the fire and you cause that thing to erupt in a blaze. Amen. That's something that we're well accustomed with in our house. Sometimes if the wood is wet or you don't put the wood on the right way, the, wood won't t- the fire won't take and it will actually die out very easily. Amen? So there's a process to knowing how to build a fire and to build it up so you can put thicker and thicker wood on. Amen? Hallelujah. So if, 
you're somebody that gets involved where you don't want to be or you're not supposed to be, though. God says that fire would have died out by itself. You got involved, but now this thing is a full blaze. Then it goes further. It says, well, there, where there is no tailbearer, the strife ceaseth. In other words, you have news of something, and there's potentially strife, but you keep your mouth shut, the whole situation can cut off right there. But it says because somebody chose to be a tailbearer, as the person is with coals and a fire that gets kindled, it says that the words of a tailbearer actually not only cause the situation to grow, but it says it actually produces wounds. And here's the thing. The wounds are not just something that hurts the person's feelings today. It says the wounds are they that go down into the innermost parts of the belly. They not just not only heard the things and heard it and got insulted. It says this thing got buried down into their minds and down into their heart. And now they're carrying it. Because you chose to be the person that instead of following God's lead and staying out of the situation, you got yourself engaged with some, something that you didn't belong. You caused the fire to grow instead of snuff, getting snuffed out. And it says you said stuff that put wounds into the lives of other people, and now they're carrying that stuff around with them as baggage. Amen? And how could they help but, but, but spread that stuff elsewhere once that stuff goes from an offense down to a wound? A wound is a much greater thing. That's something that's buried into the person, and now they are carrying it. It's untreated. It's infected. And now it can become contagious and spread into the lives of other people. So you may not realize when you're speaking or doing something um, that it goes beyond being initially witnessed and heard. But the reality is it can lead to wounds that get buried deeply into somebody else. And they can carry this stuff for years and not only carry it, but they also now start to afflict other people with the same stuff that you implanted in them. And that is not a usage that God wants for our words, for our speeches, and for our actions or behavior. God wants us to put something within them that imparts something righteous that spreads peace, healing, salvation, and deliverance in the lives of others. Next one, Proverbs 19.17. He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord, and that which he hath will he pay him again. This is the other side of the coin. God says you have pity upon the poor. Poor is not just a financial uh, condition. Poor, as it relates here, is somebody that could be impoverished, but it could be somebody that just is weak, emotionally wounded, scarred by things that are going on in their life. And God said that if you have pity upon that person and minister to them, he says that that which you gave, he's going to pay unto you again. So there's no better way for you to ensure that you're going to have prosperity in your life from God than to put stuff into the lives of other people. And here's the thing. The great thing about this is that you don't have to worry about what you did in the other person's life. God says, I will repay you. Amen. You don't have to worry about that person, you know, repaying you for what you did. Amen. All you have to do is do what God has, has placed upon your heart to do in their life, and he will make sure you get rewarded for that. That's why, over the years, I pretty much adapted a policy I don't lend. People are like, oh, can, can you lend me this? No. Because, see, if, if we do a loan and you don't pay me back, 
then Brian Fox can have a problem with you. And Brian Fox can hunt you down until he gets his money back. That's why I don't loan. Either I got it to give or no. I don't loan. Because, see, loan, ain't, ain't, that's just going to cause some trouble. Because <laughs> a lot of times people just aren't going to do it, and then, then I can get an attitude. So I'm actually liberating myself from getting a future attitude by, when you come to me, can you loan me this? Well, do I have it to give? Yes, I do. Here you go. Don't worry about it. If I don't have it to give, sorry. I, no, because I, I just really don't loan. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I loaned anybody anything. Even when they asked me for a loan, I can't remember the last time I loaned something because I just I don't need the gr- grief and the fallout. I don't need the person like dodging me for the next two years when I don't have an attitude about how they didn't give me back what they owe me. Like, God bless you. <laughs> I ain't got, I got enough things to give me grief and attitude in life that money or I loaned you a tool. Actually, I probably get more perturbed at that because my tool, if I let that out, at some point I probably would need my tool and you not giving it back would cause me to have to go buy another one. So that would probably actually bother me more than give you money you didn't give back. Now everyone going to say, can you give me some money but no tools? <laughs> But no, it's just, you know, that's just something with me. I want my tools back. But um, it just shows you, though, when we're giving and blessing people, God will be the one that rewards us back. So we don't have to worry about them repaying us. And, yes, we may suffer loss that you didn't get the money back, you didn't get the tool back, you didn't get whatever it is back. Amen. But my thing is I'm of the mindset that when God leads you to be helpful to somebody else, either he told you to do it, and if he did, you shouldn't be worrying about their actions on the end of it and them committing to whatever they said they were going to do. If God told you to do it, God knew before you lent that they weren't going to do it. So you should either be at peace with it and be able to move on in peace or you should stay out of the whole process. Amen? Because, because the reality is, even if they didn't give you back your money, even if they didn't give you back the stuff they, that you lent them, if God was aware of it and he placed upon your heart to do it, then he's promising here he's going to repay you for it. So, and the thing is, when he repays you, it could be much greater than anything that you did in the life of somebody else, whether it was a loan or an action or some kind of other assistance. God says he's going to repay you again, and he's a great rewarder of those who cheerfully give and cheerfully serve him. So we don't have to worry about that. Um, the final one I'm going to do for today is First John 3. 16 through 19. First John 3, oh, 16 through 19. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have a need and shut up his bowels of compassion from him, how dwelleth the love of God in him? My little children, let us not love in word neither in tongue but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. All right, so we see here the love of God. And we see here that he laid down his life for us. And as a result, if we're taking on the character of Christ, we should be laying our lives down as well. That doesn't mean that we're going to suffer a physical death, but we should have a heart of compassion such that as we're interacting with people, we're trying to do good things in their lives. We're trying to impart into their lives godly speech, godly actions. From an emotional perspective, uh, we're people they can come to 
for compassion and affection and understanding when they're going through trials and tribulations. And as a result, um, that would be our form of laying down our lives for those people. And he says here, do not just love them in word and in tongue. Don't just talk the game in other words. Be about the game. And let your actions speak to the truth of what is buried inside of you. If you truly have a love like Christ has, you won't have a problem with the inconvenience of ministering and giving of yourself into the lives of others. And we see here that says, hereby we know that we are of the truth and sure, assure our hearts before him if we're walking in the likeness of what, how he walked in our lives. Amen. Yes, I know he was here thousands of years ago in the flesh. But the reality is Jesus has interacted with us and he has demonstrated his compassion for us over and over and over again. I can't measure the amount of times that Jesus Christ has given me peace where I should not have had peace. I can't tell you the number of times that my back has been backed into a corner. And I said, I'm not getting up for this one, and God got me out. Amen. So he's demonstrated his love and he's imparted to me precious memories, testimonies, the relationship of the things that he's spoken into my heart and my mind at the times that I needed it and in my darkest hour. And I could take those same things that he has imparted into me and I could use those same things to impart into the lives of other people. Amen. And I truly believe that as I'm doing that and focusing on that and I'm allowing my speech and my actions and my behavior and the love I have to be fertile and rich and something that I consistently and deliberately impart into the lives of other people early in the start of this year, that as we go and it becomes more habitual, God's going to cause me to flourish in everything that I'm seeking to accomplish in this year, amen, and going forward. That's in terms of, once again, finances, relationships, emotional stability, peace of mind, um, career goals, academic pursuits, all these different things that I've been envisioning. And as we looked at last year, we saw the things that we didn't complete, whether they were total failures or things left undone. And we look at what we have ahead for this year and what we dream of of the future. As we um, impart what God has placed within us and don't just hold it and not use it, amen, but we instead walk in it and start to walk in the likeness of Jesus Christ, we can't help but be productive and have a great harvest of things um, that we experience in our lives. Amen. Hallelujah. So that's what God would have us to do. We're going to continue on with this next week. Um, one of the things I really want to talk about was um, the scope of seeds. Amen. The scope of the seeds that we plant. Like I said, we may think that you're just only effective and able to impart and to plant and to disperse in our local area. But as we're going to see, God gives you a much greater scope to what you're doing and saying than what we even realize. So we'll start off with that next week. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because God wants us to be fruitful in this year. Fruitful. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Let's all rise. We just pray about that. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Heavenly Father, in the precious name of Jesus, we praise and thank you, Father. Even as we're uh, in the second Sunday of this year, we praise and thank you, Father, that you saw fit to get us uh, into the year 2014. And we praise and thank you, Father, for your blessings, blessings beyond 
our understanding, to enable us to have another opportunity to be fruitful in our servitude to you. We praise and thank you, Father, that although we may have failed in some things or um, been slack in some things in the last year, we thank and praise you, Father, that you've given us another opportunity just by the fact that we're still alive and breathing. You've given us another opportunity to go out and to be productive for your kingdom as well as for our own lives. And we just praise and thank you, Father, that you pour out your peace upon us. We praise and thank you, Father, for divine inspiration and witty inventions and ideas, Lord, that the things that, hallelujah, we could not um, complete, in last year, we are more than capable to do it this year. We praise and thank you, Father, that you will pour out your wisdom upon us in the areas where we fail. We humbly repent of those things right now. And we just praise and thank you, Father, for divine fruitfulness that um, even as we go throughout this year, hallelujah, show us the things that you've called for us to do as individuals, as well as for, as people in your kingdom. Show us, Father, the lives that you would have us to interact with and the lives that you would have us to plant godly fruit and seeds, Father, that they would multiply and grow. And even as we would sow into our own lives as well as into the lives of other people, we praise and thank you, Father, that the seeds would produce after their own kind, that they would um, germinate and pollinate and grow, that they would be nurtured and watered, hallelujah, that they would increase and multiply, that we would have a greater harvest than we ever imagined um, by the end of this year. And we praise you, Father, that the, the residue of all the great works that we do for your kingdom this year would continue on in coming years, Father. We speak now, Father, to um, relationships, that you would bless them, that you would repair the breaches, that you would... Um, take out the wedges, that you would heal the hearts, Father, and bring people into total unity and harmony. We come against a spirit of chaos and discord and strife right now in the name of Jesus and praise you, Father, for peace, hallelujah, love and compassion, hallelujah, to grow and to, to prosper in our families. We praise and thank you, Father, for our academic, produce, uh, um, I'm sorry, academic pursuits, Father, that you enable us to excel and everything that we seek to accomplish in schools, whether it's online or in person. We thank you, Father, for that. Regardless of whether we're working and in class or going to school full-time, that you would anoint our minds, Father, to be able to grasp the materials that when we're studying. We know according to the word that we have the mind of Christ, so we praise you, Father, that that being the case, we're all geniuses. We ask you, Father, to unlock our genius, Father, that we would excel, that we would not fear any class, that we would not be uncomfortable to take a course that we don't think is our cup of tea and that we would um, just go beyond even our own expectations as we were diligent and committed and fervent that we would excel in all pursuits. We thank you, Father, for our career goals, Father, whether it's um, at our current jobs, whether it's for a new position, whether it's for a new company or starting a company, Father, to um, bless us in all of our endeavors. Hallelujah. Show us how to, uh, to to have divine favor, to be elevated in the sight of all our peers. Father, show us how to not only walk in great um, professionalism and excellence, Father, but that uh, it would not be a thing for pride, but just to have divine favor that would draw people to us. We just praise and we thank you, Father, for this, that you would just anoint us, Father, to not only do our work at a proficient level, whether somebody's watching or not, but also, Father, let us be a beacon of light to other people that are going through trials and tribulations, problems with kids, problems in their marriages, loneliness, 
Father, anything that they're going through, that we would be people that they would come to as they would need prayer, prayer or a touch from God. And we just thank you, Father, for this. We pray, Father, for divine safety. We pray, Father, for fruitfulness, mind, body, spirit, emotionally, financially, just in every regard. And as we would plant seed, Holly, in our lives and the lives of others, spiritual seed, Father, that will germinate and grow, that goes beyond even our lives, Father, that you would cause us to reap an abundant harvest, mind, body, spirit, and financially in this year and the years to come. And we just praise you. We give you the glory and the honor and praise for these things. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.